0: Talk Radio.
1: Hello, this is
2: Peter Joseph and you're listening to V-Radio. Good afternoon to those of you
0: in the United States and good evening to those of you in the United Kingdom and I guess good morning to those of you down under in Australia who listen to V-Radio. Um, today my guest is Jane Hitchcock. She's an author and lecturer on the subject of cyber-stalking and cyber-bullying. Uh, before I get started, as a reminder to everybody, um, please visit my website vradio.org. It's v-hyphen or v-minus radio.org. Uh, there you can find more archives where I have lots of shows with different uh, scientists, activists, uh, people along that line you know, that you may be interested in. If you were interested in this broadcast, uh, first I'm going to welcome my guest to the show. Welcome, Jane, to vRadio.
2: Jane, hey, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, that's no problem. Now, um, I guess, Jane, uh, when I first bring a guest on, I usually kind of try to ask them to give the background on what got them involved in, in their specific areas of activism. I know that you're not a political activist, but I still consider what you're doing an important element of activism. Um, do you want to you know, share with the listeners what got you into this?
2: Uh, yeah, back in 1996, I was—I uh, had just uh, moved uh, back from Okinawa to Japan the year before um, to Maryland and had published several books over in Japan and wanted to find a traditional publisher or an agent and joined some news groups back then, you know, before there was a Yahoo or Facebook or whatever, it was just mainly news groups, and um, and began asking around. I saw somebody had posted that they were um, a literary agent out of New York, uh sent them a proposal, got an answer right away, and then a request to send in uh, the complete manuscript with a reading fee. And I knew agents really didn't do that. They if they think you're a good enough writer, they try and sell your um, your manuscript to a publisher, and then they make their money that way by a percentage. And so I started asking questions, and come to find out there were several writers who had actually sent the money, and, uh, and what happened was once you sent the reading fee and then the next thing was a contract fee, and then there was another fee, and then yeah, every time you sent in whatever paperwork along with the money, they would ask you for more money, and Um, It began to look like a scam, so um, I contacted the New York Attorney General's office and asked them how could these people get their money back, and they said, well, we needed either a higher dollar amount or more victims, so I posted a message on the news group saying there might be an investigation, and two months later, someone began impersonating me online, Uh, they began, you know, harassing me, trying to shut down my email box, um just trying to make my life miserable and come to find out it was this husband and wife team who were turned out that they were very well-known scam artists you know, in the law enforcement field. You know, they had a, the husband had a, a, cr- a very long criminal record and it took me honestly from 1996 until
0: 2006 before it was done. Wow. Yeah, you know, I I hate to say it, it is pretty dire. My own research for my documentary uh, is pretty much uncovering that it it is really tough to get these people, and they're pretty much uh, allowed to say almost whatever they want, and it costs you thousands of dollars to deal with it. Um, Go ahead.
2: Yeah, you know, but, you know, it's better now. I hate not not to make you feel – I'm hoping to make you feel better, but it's better now (laughs) than it was back then because at least every state does have a cyber stalking or – um, related law that you can try to use. Um, what happens is, like in my case, I lived in Maryland and they lived in New York, so there were no laws at the time. I had to find a lawyer to file a civil suit in New York. So I had to find a lawyer in New York, and that's what it comes down to: is if you're in different states, you have to either work with the police department in the state where the person is that is harassing you, or mm-hmm. find a lawyer in that state, and you have to work with it that way because um there is no federal cyber stalking law yet i'm working on that um but what was good was today it was announced that this um minneapolis blogger uh, was ordered to pay sixty thousand dollars in defamation so there are legal precedents and there are cases being won by victims it's just how much time effort and sometimes money that you really want to put into it to stop these people uh that that's what it really comes down to unfortunately
0: well, let's go ahead and define cyber stalking for the audience if you want to take a poke at that
2: sure it's uh it's well the Department of Justice has it as being electronic communications um that are repeated after the harasser has clearly been told to go away. Um, and we have up on our website at haltabuse.org, we have step-by-step instructions once you click on need help, is have you asked them to stop communicating with you. If you haven't d- done that, then do that, whether it's via email, Facebook, Facebook, um, if you're on a gaming site, you know, wherever you are, wherever they're harassing you, just send you a something as simple as please stop communicating with me or please stop contacting me. And then it's probably the hardest thing that victims have to do is, you know, the first natural reaction is to defend themselves, is to kind of sit on your hands after that but keep anything else that comes in, showing that when you do have to go to uh, their Internet service provider, their website host, uh, Facebook or wherever, you can show proof. I ask them to stop. And they continued, and that's what the Department of Justice says it's repeated communications online after they've clearly been told to go away.
0: Now, what about instances where somebody has a blog or a MySpace or something that isn't necessarily directly communicating with you but is referring to you?
2: if your name specifically in it? Um, if it just alludes to a person, but you feel it's you, that's not going to do it. But if they specifically name you, uh, if they post personal information about you, such as your home address, your home phone number, um, you know where you work, and things like that, and then you need to file, you know, go through the proper links, such as on MySpace or Facebook, reporting it through them first. Um, and then, if that still doesn't do it, and you can show that you did file several reports. Um honestly start at your local police level. We have so many victims that come down and say, Well I went to the FBI and they told us to come see you. And it's like because the FBI is not going to do anything unless there's a death threat. That's the only way that they'll get involved in it and if it crosses the state lines. Um they don't consider it to be a big deal unless you've already gone to your local police. The local police approach the FBI and say, okay, this is what's going on. So you have to start at the local level, and if your local police department is not net savvy or don't have a computer crimes unit or kind of cross their eyes and look at you and go, "Um, I have no idea what a blog is, then you go to your next step, which would either be county, police, the sheriff's office, or the state police. Um, also, you, know, you try the DA's office, um, you know, d- the district attorney's office, um, and just try and work your steps up. Don't just immediately go to um, the FBI, or the Secret Service, or someplace like that. Um, try and work your way up, and then, you know, if you're still not getting a response, it might be because of one of two things. It might be that it's not harassing enough for them to open up a case file. Unfortunately, sometimes they feel that way, and that's when you can come to an organization like ours and see if we can help you.
0: Well, that's actually great. Um, if you want to go ahead and uh, you know go ahead and talk a little bit about your organization and why you formed it.
2: Um, yeah, it's working to halt online abuse, or WOA, WHOA at haltabuse.org. And um, I co-founded it with another cyber-stalking victim, um, a woman back in February of 1997 in the midst of all my thing that was going on. And we originally called it Woman Halting Online Abuse because at that time the majority of victims were women. And then when she stepped down in June of 1999, we kept the acronym but changed it to Working to Halt Online Abuse because we started to get men coming to us asking for help. And um, if anyone goes to our website and clicks on Uh, the cyberstalking statistics were the only organization that has, I guess, concrete cyberstalking statistics. We've been calculating them since 2000. And from 2000, when the majority of the victims were female and the majority of harassers were male, if you look at them from last year, the majority of victims are still women, but male victims are higher than they were back in 2000, and male and female harassers are almost even.
0: You know, that's actually you know, because I've I've encountered both myself and seen both myself for sure in my own research. And uh, it, it definitely feels as though this is something that's becoming more prevalent, I think, because people realize they can get away with it. And I've, I've also been doing research into uh, the mentality of some of these people, and it, it, it seems like in some cases – you're just dealing with the typical, you know, like they'll tell you, you know, in fact, I had a guy comment on the, uh, the the troll Facebook that we have for the the movie recently. He's like, I, I feel like it's a good release. Um, I've had another guy who, who said that in, in person, he's actually a very meek and mild individual, but he goes to the internet to, uh, let out his aggressions. And, you know, it's, there was another, uh, article that I linked from CNN, it was called Tracking Down My Online Haters, it was about a sports blogger who actually like went to some of these people's houses or called them on the phone and and how utterly shocked these people usually are and how squeamish they usually are when you actually contact them, (laughs) you know, and how how just how really unimpressive they are when you deal with them, you know, directly. And I've dealt with that myself. It's amazing how much the personality changes when they're in person. And I think that and that's another aspect of the psychology of it that was brought up in another one of the articles I was reading was that there's some kind of statistic involved with people are more willing to do certain things, you know, anonymously than they ever would in person. Um especially when you when you consider that it's something aggressive or, you know, insulting and, and in many cases it's like they don't know that what they're doing might actually affect the person on the other side.
2: No, yeah, I call that the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde effect, you know, it's one of those things where during the day they're, you know, professional people, people you admire, your next door neighbor, the kid begging your groceries and then they go home and they get on the computer and their whole personality changes and they become these really mean and nasty people doing things like you said that they would never ever do to somebody's face. And that's that perceived anonymity because they're looking at the computer screen and they don't make a human connection. It's not like you and I talking on the phone now. I mean, talking with you, I can get a sense of you with your voice. Um, but just looking at a computer screen and typing back and forth, you have no idea if you're talking to, you know, a 67-year-old woman or if it's a, a 13-year-old kid because people, you know, create screen names and email addresses and accounts and and they think that they're going to get away with it. And, you know, honestly, um, anonymity is um, overrated uh, because we can resolve over 70% of the cases that we get ourselves without even involving law enforcement. And that's because we dig in and we trace them, like you say, you know, confronting them on the cases that I have worked on with law enforcement where it's gone that far I had uh, one cop call me. He was a state trooper, and he said um, he said I had to call you and tell you. He said I ended up going to this guy's door, knocking on his door, and I had the sheaf of paperwork printouts showing that we knew it was him. And here I am, in my full you know outfit with the little hat on and everything. He said he opened the door. He said he literally peed his pants. Because he never thought he'd get caught. Seriously, I actually—I I mean, the, oh. these cops—they call me and they tell me the stories, or they'll email, email me and they'll say, "Hey, this is what happened." It's when they're confronted and they're found out. Honestly, that's when they stop and they know they can't get away with it.
0: Wow, that—that's something I could—I could see going up on
2: YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> that's. <laughs> This is wow. before YouTube, obviously, but, you know, Level, it's like, you, yeah.
0: know, you know, a lot of
2: this, but, yeah, I mean, that would be something that, you know, it's just they, they really think they're going to get away with it, and then when they're found out and if we're working on a case and we end up getting people's accounts canceled, not just the free ones, but sometimes through their Internet service provider, all of a sudden it hits them that, you know, if they're losing their, their Roadrunner account, their Comcast account, or whatever account they're using through their, you know, uh, for their Internet, it's pretty bad, you know, because then they're going to have a hard time getting a new account somewhere because of their behavior online.
0: Right. That's the, I guess that's kind of the final stage. I mean, you can ban an IP, you can ban usernames, and then, you know, they'll just come back in on proxies, but cutting somebody's internet access off is pretty much the, the final uh, answer at that point. And I really wish it would never come to that. It's just some of these people. I mean, we had one guy. He was, I guess, listed as the most destructive poster in the history of Wikipedia. And Mm -hmm. he was harassing an organization I was part of. And he was relentless. And I just, you know, by the time you're finished listening to this guy, because we ended up having to make recordings of him and stuff. You're just like, this guy is insane. How could he be doing this? You know, and and just how could he get away with this forever? I mean, the the guy made it in the USA Today for the damage he was doing to Wikipedia. You
2: just Uh, analyzing
0: Wikipedia because he thought it was fun.
2: (laughs) No, I know. And and you and I talked about this before. It's like, you know, these people put so much time and effort into doing all of this. Do they not have jobs? I mean, do they not have real lives? Obviously, I guess they don't. And like I was telling you, it's probably some 56-year-old guy that lives in his parents' basement, has no job, has no car, and he's got nothing else to do but create problems online. And I feel bad for them. Right. I'm sorry that they have no life, you know i I thankfully have one, but um, you know it's just really sad that they put all that time and effort into trying to destroy someone or a website or a business or something when they could take all of that energy and volunteer for like an organization like ours and try and help people that are having this done to them um I'd like to see that that energy going elsewhere. It's just really sad.
0: That's yeah, that's very true and you gotta wonder, you know, are they who are they neglecting in their real lives
2: mm-hmm. while
0: they're spending all this effort doing all of this? Yeah. You know, I mean exactly. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of time, you know, on the internet because it's pretty much, you know, where my job is, so to speak. And as a result, I got to be very careful to balance time with my kids. I always make sure to take them out to the park at least an hour a day, you know, uh, make sure that everything's going good with them. And I just cannot imagine putting in all of that effort to something that isn't going to yield them anything. They don't make money doing it, you know. It's no. just it's amazing, you know. It and I guess the it I guess it comes back to the, the basics of bullying. One of the things that I've said you know, to people when I'm researching this is that, you know, if you've ever heard the expression, God made men, but Sam Colt made them equal was the idea that the firearm made it possible for anybody to engage in violence. You know, when it comes to the internet, it's like, you know, God made men, but the internet made every bully equal because now anybody can be a bully from the safety of their keyboard. You don't need to be bigger than somebody. You don't need to be, you know, actually capable of you know, defending it yourself, if the person gets sick of you, you know, you can just, you know, post a click, and they're good to go, you know, um, and it's, I think also there's, there's a, uh, well, I mean, we went over the fact that these people get home from work, and they're frustrated, you know, because, you know, their are bosses, or maybe somebody else has been cruel to them, so they, they run around and they call it a release and i i just actually when i commented to that fellow today on facebook who who left that you know he's like i feel like it's a release i was like i think it's a release and probably the same way that a corporation believes it's a release when they pick up waste and dump it in somebody else's land you know it doesn't get rid of the problem you've just passed on that negative energy that somebody gave to you on to somebody else who's then in turn yeah. give it to somebody else
2: you know yeah no it, it just you know you have to wonder you know what goes through people's heads you know, why they feel that they have to do what they are doing online. Um, The Internet is such a wonderful place. There's so many great people on it, great websites, great, you know, research, educational things for, you know, kids to do. I mean, I can't tell you how many schools I go and I speak to now, to students about what they're doing online and how it can and will affect them for the rest of their lives. I mean, you look at the case in Massachusetts with Phoebe Prince with the, the six kids, that bullies are online and offline to the point where she killed herself, their lives are ruined forever. They might have got they were sentenced, I think it was last week or the week before, and most people are angry. They're saying, well, they got a slap on the wrist. And I say, well, you might think it's a slap on the wrist, but the rest of their lives are ruined. They, they can't return to school. They probably will not be able to find a college that will take them, maybe a community college or an online one. Um, they'll have this hanging over their heads for the rest of their lives. Well, that's that actually girl. yeah.
0: that brings me into the next phase of this I wanted to talk about is cyberbullying that is actually, mm-hmm. as you pointed out, leading to children committing suicide. You know, yeah. uh, it, it's bad enough when you have to put up with bullying in school, people that you're essentially forced to interact with that you don't really want to. The the teachers and the principals seem to be completely ineffective in dealing with it at all. You're just told to ignore it and to be the better person. and then uh, you know, But you're trapped in the same room with this person for hours mm-hmm. at a time. You know, and that's one of the things actually that disappointed me the most about the whole Columbine thing. I don't agree with what those kids did at all, but the motive for what happened was completely based on the fact that they were constantly being harassed and bullied, you know, by the kids at the school.
2: And and nobody nobody did anything.
0: Right. Nobody did anything. You know, they don't place any emphasis on that at all. And that's supposed to be a learning environment. I'm supposed to be comfortable learning my lessons in a circumstance where somebody's hitting me or. Throwing things at me, or spitting at me, or any number of the things that kids do to each other in school. But cyberbullying makes it even worse because it doesn't end when you're no, leaving school.
2: It's 24 hours a day now. You know, I mean, so many kids have cell phones. They're getting text messages. Um, they're getting phone calls. They're getting harassed on Facebook. Um, you know, uh, uh, kids are. You know, other kids are creating groups and pages and blogs. And I mean, it's just like you know, whereas with the physical offline bullying they could at least go home after school have the weekends have school vacation and get away from it now they can't and it's something that unfortunately it took a lot of kids to take their own lives for schools to wake up and realize this is a big problem we need to start addressing this but schools are starting to address it and you know, I'm, I started off back in 2005 speaking in high schools, and then it was middle schools. In this school year, was the first year I've been asked to speak to fourth graders. They're getting younger.
0: I believe it. And you know what? The funny is the the duality or the the lack or the double standard is that you keep hearing all of these instances where school boards will get together and go after a student for saying something bad about a teacher or a principal online, but they're not doing anything effective to protect children.
2: Yep, no, I I totally agree with that, and you know that's one thing that they have to really t- start taking these seriously because when I when I go and I and I talk to these kids and then after they come up and some of them will come up and talk to me privately and they'll you know say well I have this going what do I do you know and I'll say well is there nobody you can talk to at your school well I'm afraid it's going to get back to the bully and make it worse and then that's why we started the kids and teen division uh, that we have that we try and give them alternatives to find someone they can talk to. And when I do my presentations, I say, if you can't find an adult, either somebody at home or somebody at school, a friend's mom or dad, if you can't find somebody to talk to, then come to us. You can fill out the questionnaire. Our advocate will help you. We will not go to the bully. We will not go to your school. Your parents will try and help you you know, take care of it. And then if they're still not comfortable, then we have... Um, Phoebe the cybercrime dog. She's actually my dog, but she has her own page up there. And you can send Phoebe your story. Phoebe has a Facebook page. you can become her friend. And, and she's actually, after I've gone to these schools, they've become friends with her. And they actually... They're typing to Phoebe, even though I, I I'm hoping in the back of their heads they realize it's me. But you know, it's like you they, know, trying to give them a different outlet. And then we have our celebrity spokesperson is Uncle Jim. He's Jim Mayer from uh, he's the bass player with the Jimmy Buffett Coral Reefer Band, and uh, he just recently came on. And there's an email address you can send to him. And then you know, the the, the last one is the schooltipline.com. If your school's not listed there find out about getting them listed, and you can file reports anonymously. So instead of, and I tell them, I say, I don't want to see your name in the paper that you killed yourself. I want to see you find someone or somewhere that you can go to that you can talk to somebody. And so I give them five options. And you know, it's the same with with adults. I mean, we're there for a reason. We don't charge you a penny. We don't contact the cyber stalker or the bully. Um, we try and help you resolve it you know and if we can't then we try and get you to the right people to take it up a notch
0: well it is something that i've i've realized this actually and we we've, we've brought this up on more than one show because we've had problems in the past with people the you know, because we have a lot of freedom thinking people involved with what we do they it gets into the argument of censorship versus property rights like are you allowed mm-hmm. to regulate your own Internet site. Like, I've been accused of censorship for blocking people from Facebook, which doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, it's that, my Facebook, and I want you to leave me alone. You know. Yeah,
2: you know, it, it, uh, people don't realize that the Internet is a privilege. It's not a right. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to realize that if I have my Facebook profile, and you ask to be my friend, and I don't know you, and I deny it, and you're upset about that, I, I, you know, I hate to say it, tough titties. You know, I'm sorry. You know, honestly, I just, you know, there's a reason. You know,
0: <laughs> no, yeah,
2: it's sure. it's my profile and I approve who I want to be part of it. I'm not censoring you. I'm just saying I don't want to be your friend, and if you can't handle that, then that's your problem. Um, the same thing with you know, if if you've got your own personal blog or um, you know your own website, and you have you can and people are posting messages on your blog or on your website comment form or something. If you delete them, you have every right to do that because. It's their privilege to be on your website, but if you don't, if they don't follow your rules, then you have every right to remove it.
0: Well, that's yeah, absolutely. And I think that I think the point that I was trying to get at that I that I forgot to mention was that the internet is new to our culture and it's doing things to our society's understanding of property and personal space that never really existed before. you know. And I generally have to explain to people, as I'm a moderator in a forum that uses has a lot of people on it, I'm like, look, this is this person's forum. He pays for it to be here. This is his website. You know, If you came over to his house and said things he didn't like, you couldn't demand that he let you have your free speech in his house. You can have your free speech somewhere else. You can have your free speech on the street corner, and we would fight to protect your right to have it, but if you're in someone's house, you're in someone's house. And the internet, you know, if it's your website, your Facebook, your MySpace, whatever, you should have that right, you know. And those people have the rights. Nobody's forcing them to participate on that forum. And there's a whole giant internet they could participate in, you know.
2: Exactly. But, and it, it's it's
0: a, it's amazing how these people uh, really twist the concept of free speech. Go ahead.
2: Yeah. No. No. I was just gonna say when you're talking about being your website or your blog lawyer, it's basically your online house. Where you have your offline house, you have your online house. And, you know, the same goes both ways, you know. If, uh, you know, on oh, we have a group on Facebook, you know, for WOE and for the Kids and Teen Division, and it's known up front that, you know, abuse is not going to be tolerated. And if anybody starts, you know, doing it, I kick them out of the group and ban them. And if they don't like it, tough.
0: You know, right.
2: you didn't follow my rules, go somewhere else. Cause trouble somewhere else. I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know why people... Feel the need to do the things they do. I, I I honestly don't. And like you said, it's one of those things where they're just normal people. And then <laughs> the internet just—it's it, it, a wonderful place. But then you've got people that just don't know how to deal with it.
0: Well, that's you know absolutely. And I I think that that's another aspect of this that I've brought up on previous shows was that uh, when the founding fathers that many of these people quote when they're justifying their behavior, you know, penned the concept of free speech. You know, uh, the Founding Fathers lived in a time when one's reputation was something you could shoot somebody over, you know, and I'm not Mm -hmm. suggesting that by any means.
2: No, no, no. But but (laughs) by no
0: means did the Founding Fathers believe, yeah, and then we'll have freedom of speech so that people can put up these online blogs and destroy, destroy people's reputations and, you know, there won't be anything you can do about it. And, you know, none of that was ever going through their head. Aside from the issue of the technology involved, it was just generally assumed, you know, you don't just just don't do that to somebody's reputation. That's how yeah. things, I guess, were in that aspect more civilized back then. But they yeah. never by any means expected free speech to be interpreted as, I have the right to lie about you on the Internet as much as I like and there's nothing you can do about it.
2: Yeah, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, did your parents really bring you up that way? Is your mom proud of you for what you're doing online? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, thinking about what you're doing online now, when I talk to these, you know, the high school students, I tell them, I say, what you're doing online when you have children, are you going to want them to be able to see this? Because it's all going to be archived somewhere. Are you you really ready for your children and your grandchildren to see what you were doing online when you were a kid? And they start their eyes just get huge and they you they don't think of it like that. So you have to put it into uh, you know, into kind of a reality thing for them to think about. Like these guys, you know, that that are, you know, um causing, you know, being bullies to other people online and I have this one guy that posted in the Woe Group that um he plays this online game and this one guy got mad at him because he knocked off his character or whatever and started talking about raping his children. And it's like, you know, hello, are you like really? Do you really want, you know, your your children, your family, to be seeing posts like this that you posted?
0: It's amazing how how far they'll take it. In some cases, I have seen these people. They'll attack people's children. They'll attack, you know, they'll attack. They'll go. They'll find out who their families are, and then mm-hmm. they'll start harassing their families who have nothing to do with it. Uh, Charlie yeah. Beach, one of the activists who's going to be in my film, uh, they were going after his sister. His sister has nothing to do with anything. That he does, you know, as an activist, has nothing to do with any of that. And they were making like pedophile comments about his sister's children. You know, I'm just like, what? What would Pever possess you to think that that's appropriate? You know, but it, but I think it is. I think there is a detachment in some of the in some cases these people. They just don't understand the implications of it. And now there's another aspect to this that is another reason. Because a lot of people are like, you know, just ignore him. Why are you paying so much attention to this? I'm like, there are some real implications of this because. These people can write whatever they want about you on their blogs and you can do something about it, but it costs a lot of money. Like you said, hiring a lawyer, there's a large percentage of the population that can't afford to do that. And if you ignore it, then it ends up on Google. And your employers nowadays are actually Googling people's names before they decide to hire you. So if if somebody makes a blog and says a statement like, X so-and-so is a pedophile, the person Mm -hmm. who's going to Google you, or not even just like people, like they are concerned like, I know women, for example, who are concerned about stalkers. They'll Google a guy before they decide to date him. So you Google it. You come up on this website that says this person's a pedophile. In either of these instances, the the guy who is reviewing you for a job, he's not going to call you up and say, what's this about I read on the Internet? He's just going to hire someone else. You know, a woman is not going to ever talk to you again. You know, she's Mm -hmm. not going to confront you, but she's just going to go, oh, well, never mind. You know, and then she never dates you. You know. And that's that's the kind of stuff that it's a very real implication. Is like you know yeah okay so they're obviously lying, but how many in many how many situations are these people actually going to take the time to investigate beyond that? If you find somebody with a lot of integrity, maybe, but with some of the accusations that you can sling around about somebody on the internet, um, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me also how quickly these things get get to be accepted as truth about somebody. It's like you. Yeah. Somebody will make a false statement, and then that gets passed around all over the place, and then suddenly it's consensus. Suddenly it yeah. is a known fact because
2: well, and that's that's where um, internet service providers and website hosts really have to pick up the ball and do something. Um, you know, if somebody wrote that you were a pedophile and you went to blogger.com and said, okay, somebody posted this on there, you know, and here's proof of it. They should, I mean, that's a violation of their terms of service. They shouldn't hem and haul like they do. We have a real big problem with Blogger.com cases. Among you know, there. I mean, there are some websites that are great about working. You have to do it but they should and you you, we've sent you know this is the link to your terms of service this is where it specifically says you will not tolerate that why haven't you removed this this could ruin this person's future you know and then it's like oh well maybe we'll do something about it well you'll have to have a police officer get to us with the case file or you'll have to have a lawyer file subpoena and then that's where our hands are tied because You know, as a volunteer organization, there's only so much we can do. We're not lawyers. We're not law enforcement. And if it comes down to that, then we have to unfortunately go back to the victim and say, you need to get a lawyer or get the police involved in this because they are just not doing what they should be doing. And the worst are the overseas anonymous remailers. You know, we've had cases where there have been clear like death threats, tracing it back. I mean, Hotmail and Yahoo and Gmail are really, really good about canceling accounts, but the Internet service provider that's... It's actually originating from or going through as an anonymous re I've had these anonymous re come back and, and basically say that, you know, the USA is uh, power hungry. And you should see some of the emails I get from these. I hate to call them Euro trash, but basically they are. But I, I'm just amazed at what they say trying to put the blame on the victim. And I'm sitting there going, person using your services is saying, I'm going to come and kill you. And it's originating from your servers, and you're going to allow that? And I just was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this. You know, it's just crazy. So, you know, it's um it's one thing to have laws in place and there's so many great law enforcement and good lawyers that really do try and work for the victims and get things taken care of, but it comes down to the ISPs, the websites, the website hosts, they really have to do something and take situations seriously. What's
0: your experience with WordPress?
2: Um, You know, it's one of those things where it's the luck of the draw on, you know, when you send in an abuse form because you know that they've got more than one person handling complaints. So sometimes repeatedly filing complaints or having more than one person filing a complaint helps a bit. Um, You know, and also, you know, making sure that... um, You try and get the correct contact information. Besides a report link on their website, there might be other contact information, and that's where, if you, if somebody came to us for help, we sometimes have better contact information that we can't give out to the general public, but it's available to us, and we try and use. Um, There have been some Facebook cases where um, the victim has reported, you know. profile forged in their name, it's not taken down fast enough and it's really making them look bad, then we'll follow a report, and that doesn't do it. I have a contact that's within Facebook that then I say, okay, look, we've done it the correct way. Victim filed reports, their family, their friends filed reports. I filed the report. There is no, here's the link, take a look at it, and it's gone, like within an hour. So, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes we have a better response than the the average person. Um, And it also... It also depends on the way that you write the complaint. You know, victims will come to us, they will fill out the questionnaire, and say, "Yeah, you know, it's um, on this website or whatever," and here is a copy of the complaint, and it's like in all capital letters. Or they're demanding that you know they're saying you have to take this down now. It's like, no, 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 you don't do that. Even though you're really upset and I understand you are, you have to like go and say, um, you know, this person is posting this information about me. It's against your you know, terms of service and always put the link to it and the specific thing that they did that's against the terms of service and just say, I'm really hoping that you can do something about this before it escalates any further instead of demanding that it be taken down. Because the minute you start demanding, that's when they get defensive and saying, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have egged this person on in the first place or they come back with some smart comment or they just ignore you. So you have to take the middle ground and approach it like you're on eggshells Yes, you're the victim, but at the same time, you can't yell and scream and jump up and down and demand because it makes you look bad, too. Well,
0: yeah, and I guess it also would kind of be uh, at a matter of responding directly to, like, you know, for example, like you said, the luck of the draw. It could also be the disposition of the person who's handling your claim when you're dealing with them. You know, I remember, for example, one, one friend of mine said he reported something to WordPress and they got back to him and the guy, like, went on this monologue about freedom of speech. You know, so in other words, his personal beliefs was clearly affecting his customer service relations when dealing with clients.
2: You know, and yeah.
0: it, it's kind of like, okay, so your freedom of speech and my freedom to not have my reputation ruined, which one is yeah. more important here? You know, and that's—it's it, amazing to me actually that people don't recognize that allowing this kind of thing actually is the biggest danger to freedom of speech ever. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. because, for example, when I got started in all this, I was absolutely advocating never, ever should we make laws about the Internet, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. And then I watched it get abused to the point where now I'm starting to think, you know. You know, and and then I realized, I'm like, you know, there's got to be a lot of other people that are a heck of a lot less freedom of speech minded who are ready and willing. The first time they have somebody do this to them, they're going to be all about calling their congressman You know, that's why I say to them, I'm like, look, you know, the freedom of speech that you're abusing right now, you're the biggest threat to freedom of speech with what you're doing. If you're concerned about the internet and the internet freedom, you are the biggest threat to internet freedom because, you know, you're not poking against the man. You're not poking against the government. You're poking against common citizens. You're getting Mm -hmm. children to commit suicide. You're causing people to, you you know, huge amounts of duress, and that eventually means constituencies of people are going to be complaining to their politicians who will find it in their best interest who want to regulate the internet anyway. You know? No. So, I
2: I hate to say it, but I I predicted this about six, seven years ago. I said it's going to get to the point where it's going to get so bad that the internet will be regulated. And everyone's like, oh no, there's no way they can ever do it. I say, yes they can, and they will. There is an off switch, I hate to tell you. There is one somewhere. And you know, if people don't stop acting like children and children stop acting like bullies, you know, and ISPs and websites and, you know, website hosts don't start getting on the ball with things, it's going to be turned around against us and we're going to have limited Internet freedom, if at all. And it's going to come down to that, unfortunately.
0: And it will be sold to us as as citizens, you know, who you will know, be like, well, we're going to protect you from all of this, libel and slander on the internet you know this will be safety for your children you know they won't be harassed and you know that's the formula and the funny thing is is that it's it's these people who are acting like this who scream for their freedom of speech anytime something happens to them you you report one of their youtube videos and they claim censorship even though the whole point of their youtube video was to call you fat or whatever you know, yeah. because that's that's freedom of my freedom of speech to call you fat. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what the founding fathers were thinking about when they penned freedom of speech was so you could call somebody fat. It couldn't be because you should have the right to speak out against your politicians or your government in a constructive fashion. That couldn't be well, what they meant.
2: <laughs> and what, what really kills me is if they came up to you and said that in person to you in, in front of your face, you could have them arrested for discrimination. Mm-hmm. You because, know, you know, basically, you know what, you're calling me fat, so what? Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're a big person, you know, yeah, so I am, but, you know, that's discrimination. Why are you discriminating against me by calling me that to my face? You know, you could sue them, you know, I mean, and uh, it just, it's just going, it, it, going around and around. And I think the one thing that is going to have to happen in addition to, you know, everyone stepping up to the plate and doing something about it is, Facebook, MySpace, Yahoo, um, anyone, Gmail, um, anyone who has a website that offers an account to users, it's going. if people don't want to lose their Internet freedom, it's going to have to come down to these websites making you prove that you are a real person when you open up that account. It can be done. PayPal does it all the time. Twitter actually verifies celebrity accounts, so you know it can be done. And what, that means that instead of somebody harassing somebody, using a fake Yahoo account, canceling it, opening up a new one to continue it, canceling that, they can only have one Yahoo account. And then if they misuse that account, they lose it for good and they're never on Yahoo again. That's what really should be happening.
0: You know, and I I hate to say it, but I I understand that that's the direction that it would head because it's the only realistic option. I heard that in some other countries they're already doing this, For example, I had a show not long ago, it was a show mostly, I had like panelists from five different Middle Eastern countries and we were talking about the impact of the internet on their culture and now in Turkey, they just passed something that's essentially going to mean you can choose between one of these four packages and these are the kinds of websites that you can access, you know, and um, you know, your, your internet ID, you have to have this specific card to even be able to get on, it automatically knows who you are. You know, and people are like, "Well, I would never want that. I'm like, "Okay, well, continue harassing people on the internet so that they in turn are more and more willing to support this, and that's what's gonna happen mm-hmm. you know and and at the end of the day, you're gonna whine about the people you're gonna say censorship, but you're the one who brought it about by abusing the privileges in question,
2: exactly, and you know that's what they don't realize is they're screwing themselves in the end, honestly, um, and they don't realize that. There are repercussions and the repercussions are coming. I don't wanna see i s I don't wanna see myself losing my internet freedom. I wanna be able to go to any website that I want to, but I also know that there's some netiquette involved in how I should be, behave online. Yeah, I get a little ticked off sometimes, but you know, you count to three, you you type, you know, what you really want to say, and then you read it, and you go, well, that's kind of stupid. Or, you know, and I tell people, I say, say it out loud, like you're talking to somebody's face, and then just see if it sounds really bad, don't send it. Type it up, you know, just just to get it out of your system, you know, let your fingers do the type, and then erase it. Uh, and I've done that many times, you know, because, you know, there's some people that just don't get it, and I just go, I'm banging my head on the desk, and I'm going, what the heck is wrong with people?
0: yep especially you know when it causes real life problems for people that they don't even know and they mm-hmm. put so much energy into it, as we said earlier you know um so I guess let me you know take a moment for example to uh ask you first of all uh if people need help, where should they go and what should they do?
2: Uh, If they need help, uh, the first thing to do is make sure it really is harassment. It's not just an argument that you're having with somebody. An argument where you're having disagreement is not harassment. Um, Just because somebody doesn't agree with you, you know, that's unfortunately not harassment. It has to be repeated communications online after they've been told to go away. So if somebody is harassing or bullying you, send them a message, please stop contacting me. Then try not to respond to them, but keep anything that they might send. Contact the internet service provider, the web, uh, the website host, um, Facebook, whoever it is. Try and go through the proper channels first. File the complaints yourself. If you if they're um, e- emailing you through someplace like Yahoo or Hotmail, we have instructions on our website on how to figure out who the correct people are to send complaints to. It's not just Yahoo and Hotmail. You have to actually, actually figure out who the originating Internet service provider is, and we have instructions on our website on how to do that. If that still doesn't work, then and they're sending you threats. Go to your local police department. Work up the chain of command. You know, sometimes, you know, sometimes small towns have great computer crime guys, and sometimes, uh, you know, Big city departments don't have very good ones, you know. Just find out do they have a person that's capable of handling it. If not, move up the ladder to the next department, like you know, like it's the county sheriff, state DA's office. If it's a if it's a death threat that's crossing state lines, contact the FBI. Um, and they can always come to us for help for free. And it's haltabuse.org, or if it's a kid kid or teen under the age of 18 or a parent, it's haltabusektd.org. Um, and fill out the application. We do it for free. Um, our advocates are all well-trained. Um, we won't approach the cyber stalker or the harasser or the bully. We try and help you resolve it before it really gets out of control.
0: Okay. Um, now, if people want to help you guys, I, I saw that you were looking for, for some help. I don't know if that was up to date or whatever. Is it like, What is it that you're looking for for assistance?
2: Um well you know we're we're always looking for advocates um you know that if, if anyone is interested they can fill out an application we've been having some trouble with the app form on the um, org website my webmaster is trying to fix that right now the one on the KTD website i think is fixed but if not you know i mean we're we're always looking for advocates uh you know because they're they're volunteers and Sometimes, you know, volunteers disappear, and, um, you know, so we're always looking for that, and then um, just take a look on the website and see what we're looking for. We we list on there, or if you want to get involved, click on Get Involved. We have two Yahoo groups, Facebook groups. Um, we have a MySpace page. Um, you know, you can put a banner on your website if you want to, to help promote us. Um, uh, just kind of go go to the site and click around and see what information we have that's available.
0: Now, um, I actually just ordered your book a little while ago, um, Mm -hmm. and I also – I guess you guys have a video professor course on this?
2: Um, The video professor did do one. I don't know if it's still available or not. They kind of – I don't even know if they're around anymore. Um, But they did – when the book first came out, about a year after it came out, they did a um, three-CD course based on the book. And I honestly don't know. I try emailing the guy to see if I can get more copies of it and I haven't heard anything back so I don't even know if they're still around anymore. But they
0: can still get your book through the website, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. They can get the they can get my book. It's twenty dollars shipped. Um, I will sign it. And that's shipped anywhere in the USA. If you're outside the USA, just um you can email me for you know shipping info and uh that's netcrimes at netcrimes dot net.
0: Um, now I do have some more questions from the audience, but we're running low on time. Would you mind if I extended the show a little bit? Sure. Okay, I'll go ahead and do that while we're here. Um... And um, maybe I can convince them to call in. I have a lot of listeners, but sometimes they're chickens. So we'll see. We'll see what
2: happens. (laughs) I I promise I do not bite, at least not hard. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, uh, to to be fair to them, some of it is just the issue that, you know, uh, I have international listeners and some of them are really good at at listening, but they can't necessarily talk very good in English. So, um, and I guess you, that was another question of mine, actually. You guys are also trying to work on an international level. Isn't that correct?
2: Well, we we are international because the Internet is not just confined to the USA. The Internet is international. So we help anyone that comes to us. Uh, our volunteers, we have volunteers in India, Australia, the U.K., Canada, and across the U.S. So, I mean, um, we help victims anywhere. and We have advocates, you know, volunteers from anywhere. So, Um, As long as you've got a good command of the English language, you know, typing, because um, we don't, I I really, I've only met three of my staff in person in the entire time I've been doing this. Um, As long as you can type well in English, uh, we will consider you as an advocate, and as long as you can type well in English so that an advocate can work with you, that's great. And if you're from a country like India, um, we can, uh, you know, and, you send it to us in Indian, I guess it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, we can we can try and get you to one of our Indian, you know, advocates and have them work with you. So we we try and do as much as we can, you know, but um, we're international.
0: Well, with any luck, you'll be able to get some volunteers who are multilingual. Through the the majority of my listener base being you know multilingual, um, you know. Let me see i know somebody's actually preparing to call in he has a good question i'm going to go ahead and bring him on the air caller from the 267 area code you're on the air
1: hello neil it's kevin um i just want to thank you for letting me on the show and uh specifically uh ask is it uh miss hitchcock uh yeah. about um how have you seen any cross references in what you've seen i know like since you're into like the whole cyber stalking thing, have you seen much of it come into real life play as well, such as with either government gang stalking or just uh, like typical gang stalking or like with targeted individuals, like say I don't know if you've heard about the like a relatively recent Randy Quaid issue where he was kind of like felt like he was harassed into right running from the country and moved to Canada.
2: Uh, Yeah we do have cases that escalate to offline instances um not we don't see a lot of what you call gang you know um cases um we have the few that we do we've seen more in the last few years where it's usually two or three people um target one person Uh, and what's really interesting is in those cases it's usually either family members or an ex and His or her family members that gang up on the other person Um, it's been very interesting Um, we also have had uh, there was one case i worked on where um, this woman was being harassed by this guy in sweden that had dated her sister like 10 years previously and he was insistent on trying to get the information from her and in turn he began stalking her and this is one case related to where i said the anonymous remailer wouldn't help And he was threatening to come to the United States to confront her to find out where the sister was living. And he did. He got on a plane from Sweden. Ended up, it was North Carolina, ended up showing up on her doorstep. Um, And the local police had to get involved. And it's pretty scary how some of these do escalate, but that's where we try and step in and try and hopefully end it before it does get to that point. But when you don't get like anonymous anonymous remailers, or you don't get law enforcement, you don't get website hosts that take it seriously, that's when we get concerned.
0: Now, that's actually an interesting point, Jane, and it, it brings up another aspect that I'm going to be bringing up in the film about, where, in regards to his question, though, is the fact that uh, we know that, and this is not even conspiracy theory, this is all in mainstream media, that the government is looking into uh software for the purposes of this and that we know that like there's the China, for example, has what they call the 50 cent army, people who are literally paid to harass anyone who badmouths China in the Mandarin language. Have you ever heard about that? No. Gee.
2: Yeah, no. That's,
0: that's one of the things I was worried about was that it's almost as though, you know, they may regulate the Internet or they may just realize, you know, this is an amazing propaganda tool. Maybe we should just start using it ourselves. I was yeah, I was wow. pretty surprised about that, but yeah, the uh, the Air Force, for example, was, was had contracted another company for the purpose of uh, writing a program that will pretend to be hundreds of people um, on various uh, social networking websites to be able to sway public opinion and in mm-hmm. theory to be able to target people who are you know outspoken against the government because um, that's one of the aspects of the 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 gang part of it is that especially online I've been noticing. The a psychological effect. If you've got, like, 30 people disagreeing with you about something, you look like you're losing the argument, even if you're completely right and they're completely irrational. hmm You know, um, did you have anything, any further questions, caller? <sighs>
1: Uh, That's pretty much it. I mean, I'm very glad that that someone's actually really speaking out about this. I mean, it's for me, it all seems like it's part of it's part of that whole denial, hassle and ridicule factor that seems to go along with people uh, speaking out as an activist. So anyone that's out there that's still fighting the good fight, I I highly recommend you you continue to to work even past these sorts of abuses. It's it's uh, not something that we should allow to get ourselves down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree you. with you. Thanks a lot. Um thanks again for calling in Kevin. He's actually a regular listener of the show. Oh, okay. <laughs> um now but yeah, that's an interesting point. Uh the the government stalking, corporate stocking actually was there was another one uh where the uh it was they, it's like I think it was called Nintendo Cease and Desist or something was the article, but basically Corporations will pay people to go to the forums of an opposing product and attack that product, uh, pretending to be consumers. Um, Sony did this to the Xbox 360. The Xbox, you know, Microsoft did this to the Sony PlayStation 3. You know, and there was, it also traverses into the political environment in my research, you know, because I'm sure this is not a right or left problem, but. Uh, There were these guys giving lectures to the Tea Party, and they were telling them, okay, go on Amazon.com and do a search for liberal books and rate them all one star and leave a nasty, you know, bad review for them and then do a search for all conservative books and and rate them five stars. And then the guy's like, even if you haven't read them, he's like, uh, he's like, actually about 80% of the books that I rate, I've never read, you know, just literally doing that
2: that just that just goes to show you right there that you know because um Amazon doesn't make you verify that you are a real person anyone can get an account there and bash anybody i mean you get you know an author who's jealous of another author because uh they got published before them and then they go on and they just you know open up several different accounts and write bad reviews um you know it it happens um, and then you have uh, on the other instance that you were talking about, you know, like Sony or, you know, some of these other companies hiring people to bash, you know, competitor products. Um, there was a case in New York, and I don't know if you remember hearing about it, this guy who sold um, sunglasses, and he got upset because people were posting to the Better Business Bureau, blog and complaining uh, or was it, it was that, I think Yelp maybe or, you know, one of those rating websites um, that they got bad service or the product they got wasn't what they want and he began actually stalking them online because he was ticked off because they were leaving him bad reviews for shoddy service and he ended up getting arrested and he ended up uh, getting some jail time and fined you know, for what he did I mean, so it's it's it goes both ways, it's just you know, how how much more is it going to take before somebody says, okay, you guys have to, like, start doing something. If somebody's posting things like this, or, like, this guy was pretty obviously stalking several former customers, you know, why wasn't he taken care of in the first place when the first one or two people were being stalked online? Why was it allowed to continue? And it just taking things seriously, you know. it's You don't tell a stalking victim, stay in the house for the rest of your life till so your stalker dies or gives up. I mean, you know, and there's so many people that I hear that they go to law enforcement or they go to, you know, the website house, and there's like, well, just stay off the website or, or just stay off the Internet. That's, that's not the answer.
0: <laughs> no, and, and I've heard similar answers to that because I, I was helping people understand, for example, how to protect yourself on Facebook. A lot of people are not aware of the fact that um, they can get into your photos if you haven't you know, taking them off. And then after they have them on their computer, you can't get them back. And then they can Photoshop those photos and do whatever they want with them. They can take your photos, your family members, your children, you know, and it's amazing actually, because I remember getting into an exchange with somebody about that. And the person was like, well, it's your own fault for posting that stuff on the internet. You know? And I'm like, you know, I hate to make this distinction, but that that's starting to sound a little bit like the, the language that you hear when somebody says that a rape victim is their fault for wearing a skirt or something. You know,
2: Exactly. It's the same thing. It's like, no, that's not the answer. Um, But the point that you brought up, which is really good, is if somebody does take your photo, your copyrighted photo, and does Photoshop it and post it somewhere, I can guarantee you that you are more likely to get somebody's account canceled filing a DMCA copyright infringement complaint then you are just saying this person is harassing me. I don't know why, but every website that we have had where either a victim has a profile forged in their name with photos stolen from them or they've had you know photos taken and photoshopped and, and this and that and they don't own those photos, the minute that either the victim or we have filed a copyright infringement form, it's been taken care of, and it just amazes me how quickly they will do that, but they won't deal with stalking or harassment as quickly.
0: No, I've seen that on YouTube as well. They have a harassment button, you know, but I've never seen anybody ever dealt with for harassment. I've seen privacy claims sometimes, like if the person uses your real name or your picture or uh, your voice without your permission, it's like a 60-40 chance that they'll remove it. But yeah, throw up a copyright claim. Oh man, they're on that, you know, and they will ban people for it. You know, of course the person will just go and make another account. And it is, the thing that drives me crazy about that is that it's like, they'll just go make another account and then even flaunt it, you know, and you can't report them for that. It's like, this is the same guy who you just banned for doing this like 10 minutes ago and he's back here now. You know, and he flat out says this was my former account. You know, and you mm-hmm. think that there should just be a report button for dealing with that. You know, but there isn't. I mean, it's they've really got to step over the line. Like they've got to use your picture as the avatar. Like if like impersonation, they're usually pretty good about that. You know, mm-hmm. um, but overall though, you know, you'd think that you know, it, it, if there's money involved, I guess that's what motivates them. But if it's just somebody's you know physical or emotional or mental well being, well, that's not as important.
2: And that's why I really encourage any victims, if there are any sort of photos involved that belong to you that are being misused, file a a copyright infringement claim first.
0: Now, when it comes to copyright, and now I've read the copyright laws, and they're a little weird, obviously, to understand. I guess, you know, do I automatically own the copyright to any photo that belongs to me?
2: Yeah, it's yours. I mean, it's just like uh, somebody said to me, they're they saying, well, you know, I, I'm hoping to get a book published someday as I groan inside. But no, <laughs> mm-hmm. I usually get that a lot. But then they say, well, I'm worried that someone's going to steal the idea. I don't want to tell anyone about my story. I said, well, as soon as you put it down on paper, it's copyrighted. You mean I don't have to mail it to myself? No. As soon as it's down on paper, you've typed it, you've saved it in the file, it's your copyright. The same thing with any photo that you take or that you have paid for and belongs to you, that's your copyrighted image. And if you file a complaint saying, this is my copyrighted image, I did not give permission for this to be used. Um, the same thing if somebody tapes, um a, a telephone call without your permission, in many states it's still illegal. And they posted up on a website. There's a case recently where I've been working on, you know, with this guy where, you know, he he said something on, you know, some guy called him and taped him without his knowledge. In the minute I wrote and said, uh, this was taped without the victim's knowledge, is being used without his permission, uh, you know, they started taking it down. And, you know, the, the person was not very happy about it, taken down. So it works.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah, remember, it, we have an interesting thing with that is that people record things that you say also on voice chat servers, and people don't think of it the same way as they would, like, a phone, like, you might be on a TeamSpeak server or a Ventrilo server, and then somebody will start anonymously recording you, and then it'll end up on YouTube somewhere, yeah. and it occurred to me, I'm like, you know, this should be illegal, this falls into the same, and, like, it's generally a, I have to ask permission of everybody kind of question, that's, like in Michigan, if I were to call you and record it, I have to I, I have to ask your permission before I can do so. In some mm-hmm. states, you just have to have one person's permission, which doesn't make any sense to me. But um, the only reason – the funny thing is, is the only reason it's a problem is generally they'll take little things that you've said and then chop them up and then put them next to, oh, well, this is what he meant or this is what yeah. he said and – Yeah, and that's – there's so many different prevention things that are going to go into uh, my film. Like uh, recently we had an issue where somebody uh, commented on somebody's WordPress blog, and as a result, uh, the person – what people do not know is that if it's your blog, you can edit the comments to say anything you want. So then somebody then – go ahead.
2: Yeah. no, No, go ahead.
0: Well basically so somebody edits that comment and say does something to the to one of that person's friends and then goes, Oh, look what this person did to you on my blog you know, and people are not even aware of that. You know, they weren't aware that every time you post on someone's blog, that person has the right to edit it, and they will, and then at that point it's directly associated to your IP and then they can take screenshots of it and try to hold you accountable for whatever it is that quote unquote you posted. The same thing is true of going to someone else's forum. There's an edit function for all the moderators. They can mo- they can edit anything you said to say anything you want. That's actually yeah. something another one of the victims that uh, came forward and gave us her story for our film was pointing out that there are guys who apparently make money doing this. Like they'll make it look like you're the one who's harassing them, and then they'll sue you. Uh, yeah,
2: I I know. It, you know, it's one of the things where that's where you have to have. Well, I mean, if it's something they take from, like, your Facebook profile or something like that, and you have proof that they just chopped it up or whatever, I mean, you have proof of it on your wall, um, as long as you have proof of it in its intact form, um, then you can go and, again, say, this is copyright infringement, and... Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you know, it's what I was saying. If you can promise, say, okay, this is um, a screenshot of it the way it was. Here it is, the way they've done it. I did not give them permission to do this. And I can bet you nine times out of ten that it will be taken down. You know, it's that's just one of those. Good. I I just don't. I still don't understand why they will do that. Like I said, but harassment stalking, they kind of you know hem and haw and go. Mm, I don't know. You know, it's like, geez, <laughs> what the heck?
0: Well, how many? It's like it's they act what? Is it like something they're worried they're going to lose a lot of customers for that? You know, I I, I don't. I, I don't get
2: I it. I honestly don't know. I have no idea why.
0: That's it's so crazy. You know, and I just it creates an environment that makes people less safe on the internet, which overall. Makes them less interested in interacting on the internet. That's the thing. Yeah. And I, I guess it's so self defeating, you know. Um, but basically, now um, that was something else that I was discussing with people is like in many cases, blocking somebody may not even be in your best interest immediately because you can't tell what they're doing. And I've seen that in some cases, these people will, uh, for example, uh, we just had somebody actually a friend of mine who dealt with this was that somebody created a Facebook account. Um, pretending to be them, use their picture. Because this is another thing, guys. Just because you have your your Facebook account completely locked down does not mean that they can't just take your profile picture because it's right there. And all they have to do is right-click on it, and it's theirs. So somebody made a Facebook account with the same picture and the same name and then went around posting as that person to cause problems, and then the person was not even aware of it because they blocked the person they were impersonating. So they couldn't even see that they were being impersonated. This person was going to blogs and such that as that person well I mean, I'm sorry the different facebook groups as you know as the per- as that person posting links you know to their own harassment blog you know to get intention for that and then yeah, uh, the go ahead and comment on that and then I'll go to my no answer.
2: yeah i mean you know if you know that somebody's impersonating you, definitely report them and then make sure you know. It's one of those things where if they are purposely impersonating you, file a report with Facebook. Make sure you do it under the copyright infringement one so it gets taken care of faster and then make sure it's gone. You know, I mean don't block them necessarily. But if someone is purposely harassing you and it's their own personal Facebook profile, report them and block them. And I do recommend that, you know, because you don't need to see that kind of crap. And just, you know, report them. Um but if they're purposely you know, created a profile in your name using your photo or whatever. That's when you report them and keep an eye on it and keep after Facebook. Or, you know, come to us and we'll see what we can do.
0: Well, yeah, and that's – well, that was the other thing that was funny about it is she couldn't even report the person. Because the person has you blocked, you can't access their their page to block them or to report them because the well, report you, function you have, is there.
2: <laughs> well, then what you can do then is have somebody else
0: – Yeah. Um,
2: have somebody else just kind of look it up and find out where it is and and go from there because they can't block everybody on Facebook.
0: No, you're right. No, you're right. And yeah, so, I mean, there
2: are ways around it. I just yeah. thought it
0: was funny that the, the feature in question could be taken for you. Basically, people are like uh, – I know, for example, they'll they'll join somebody's Facebook group and then they'll block all the administrators of the group so that nobody can see what they're doing on that group and then they'll start posting inflammatory things. And and like you, you reported to the administrator like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. You're making that up. And then I actually had to take a guy and make him go make another account to go look at his own Facebook group once because he was not aware that there were like six or seven people just spamming his group with all kinds of offensive material. And he had no idea. He started getting angry with me, and I'm like, "No, go, go look. They probably blocked you." Eventually, he went and did it, and then later he sent me an apology and went, "Oh my God, you were so right. I'm so sorry. I thought you were crazy or something." <laughs> I said, "They had you blocked. They had you yep. blocked on your own group. You know, that's why I tell people there's there's all kinds of little tricks that these people know. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to protect yourself. That's why I said, don't post anything to your profile picture that you don't want other people to have because they'll get it." Don't just leave your photos open. Don't leave your wall open. Don't leave your info open. You should have all that set up so that only your friends can see it. You know, and if you're going to leave all that stuff open, you're going to have to be aware of the fact that other people are going to look at it and they're going to see it. You know, and it's it becomes, after they get their hands on it, it becomes harder to deal with it. You know, but talking to you, you know, I definitely have a lot more hope for the future that we're well. going <laughs> to handle this kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Because as we said earlier, we shouldn't be in a position where we have to do all of this. You know, it's it's just ridiculous that we should have to go through any of that. And that's it, it's because of the fact that the internet is new to mankind and new mm-hmm. to our culture, and therefore it, people haven't thought about it. And not everybody is victimized by it. So a lot of people are just kind of inclined in. Like you pointed out earlier, is actually kind of funny, because you know, speaking to law enforcement officials, in many cases they're not web savvy. They don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, exactly. What's a blog? You
2: know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I mean, with, in my case, it was um, I went to the local police, and they didn't know anything about it, and they went, I don't even know what a news group is. And I'm like, oh, God, you know. <laughs> I, and, you know, That's when I realized that it was an uphill battle from there, and it was either, you know, crawling on my bed and never come out or do something about it. And I'm one of those people where after I got upset and cried, cried myself, you know, to to down to you know just what am I going to do I said you know what I don't want anyone else going through this like this feeling feeling powerless and that's why I do what I do now
0: that's yeah that's actually really awesome and I I really commend you for the work that you're doing and I'm you know as just as the caller said I'm glad that you're doing it I know that's part of my motive for why I'm making this documentary no money is going to be made you know making this documentary it's all going to be fair use people can give it out any way they want Um, Because I just think it's kind of a service to mankind in general. That's the other thing I've been trying to do to be very important about uh, on this is that I don't want it to be a right documentary or a left documentary or a green documentary or you know is overall this is a threat to mankind's biggest male liberator when it comes to the ability to communicate and to speak with you know with other people. This is a huge threat overall because of the fact that it you know not just from the issue of that it could get it regulated, the amount of damage that it does to conversation uh, yeah. and the ability to communicate ideas. Like uh, there was a film uh, that I actually got that thing about the Tea Party from, called Astro Turp Wars, and that film was pretty heavily leaning on the left. But they did make a lot of really good points, which is that there seem to be there seems to be you know a point where people will, if you're starting for example to make a a, a good a point on a hot button issue like say healthcare then they'll just start insulting one another to drag the conversation out of the intellectual level so that now we're all just mudslinging. And it's kind of at that point, like uh, it diffuses the conversation and prevents either side from going any further. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially because we're still, I think in, in my research, I'm finding it's like, it's something that gets started. I think in school, the idea that, making fun of somebody and being good at it is something to be commended for or something to make you popular, you know, within a given social circle, that seems to be where the attitude starts, you know, and it just continues further. People like will brag about it. This is another thing that I said is that in some cases, these people have communities of their own, you know, you can ignore them. And obviously you should not be engaging with them directly, but, Mm -hmm. um, They'll pat each other on the back. They don't need you to pay attention. They'll be like, Do you see what I did to this guy? It was so funny And then they'll all go, Yeah, that was awesome. You know, amazing You know, you know
2: Well, just remember that they're being eight year olds and their little and they're little minds and at least you're being an adult and try and keep that in mind every day and it's hard you know it's hard for victims that i work with you know trying to get them like well i shouldn't have to like go to another website i shouldn't have to and i'm like well you know you sometimes you just have to make changes i'm sorry that's right. just the way it is yep you know so you that's know it's very, unfortunate, true. But.
0: very true well Thank you very much, Jessica. Um, I look forward to. Oh, Jessica, I'm sorry, Jane. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip because I was just looking at one of my fans in the chat room. Thank you very much, Jane. <laughs>
1: You're and thank you, Jessica,
0: for tuning in. Um, <laughs> thank you very much, Jane, for tuning into my show or for being on my show. And uh, yeah. and if you once again, I, I'll be in contact with you about other things. I'm hoping to you know get an appearance from you and in, in my film. That'll be great. Um okay. And to share more of this information and. Once again, give out that website
2: URL. Um, the, um, the website is HaltAbuse, H-A-L-T-A-B-U-S-E dot O-R-G.
0: And the book's name is Cyber, was it, go ahead. Net,
2: Net Crimes and Misdemeanors, and that's at netcrimes.net.
0: Right, they can find that book at the the HaltAbuse.org website too, right?
2: Yeah, there are links to it, or they can just go to the book website.
0: Okay, great. Yeah, I'll probably throw a link to your website on my own website as well to generate information in that direction. So, um, Thanks again, Jane, and um, I'll be in touch with you in the future. Thank you for being on V-Radio. Um, okay, thank you. To everybody listening, thanks again for tuning into V-Radio. Please visit my website, v-radio.org, v-radio.org. There you can find archives of more shows like this one. You can check out my must-see TV list, which is a list of Internet documentaries that you can watch for free. Um I have V Radio forums. There's also a like bo- a like box on the front page for the troll documentary I mentioned earlier. And um if you're interested in you know supporting this effort, please consider a donation to V Radio. Uh you can do that by clicking the donate button. And thanks again everybody for tuning in and Jessica just had a good laugh at me accidentally mentioning her. hi <laughs> okay. Jessica. She's here for like every show. But all right, Jane, I'll talk to you a little bit offline after we're done with this here, so stay on the line. And thanks again, everybody. And um, I'm going to leave you with some words from Jock Fresco and Roxanne Meadows.
2: This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jock Fresco. And you're listening
0: to B radio